Welcome to Torah Dimecha Parsha. My name is Aurelie Kanner, and it is my privilege to be learning Sefer Shmot with you. Our Parsha this week is the double Parsha of Ayakel Pekude, and I will begin with a quick overview of these Parshiot. Moshe assembles B'nai Yisrael and reiterates to them the command to observe the Shabbos. He then conveys Hashem's instructions regarding the making of the Mishkan, the tabernacle. The people donate the required materials in abundance, bringing gold, silver, copper, blue, purple, and red dyed wool, goat hair, spun linen, animal skins, wood, olive oil, herbs, and precious stones. Moshe, in fact, has to tell them to stop donating. A team of wise-hearted artisans construct the Mishkan and its furnishings, as detailed in the previous parshiot of Teruma, Tetzav, and Kitisa. They include three layers of roof coverings, 48 gold-plated wall panels, 100 silver foundation sockets, the parochet, the veil that separates between the sanctuary's two chambers, the masach, the screen in the front, the ark, the iron, and its cover with the kruvim, the table, the shulchan, and its showbread, the lechem hapanim, the seven-branched menorah with its specially prepared oil, the golden altar, the mizbeach hazahav, and the incense, the ketoret that is burnt on it, the anointing oil, the shemen hamishcha, the outdoor altar for burnt offerings, the Mizbeach HaNachoshet, and all of its implements, the hangings, posts, and foundation sockets for the courtyard, and the basin and its pedestal. An accounting is made of the gold, silver, and copper donated by the people for the making of the Mishkan. Bitzala, Lahaliava, and their assistants make the eight priestly garments, the Big Day Kahuna, according to the specifications that were communicated to Moshe in the Parsha of Tetzaveh. The Mishkan is complete and all its components are brought to Moshe who erects it and anoints it with the holy anointing oil and initiates Aaron and his four sons into the priesthood. A cloud appears over the Mishkan signifying the divine presence that has come to dwell within it. In the final Parsha of Sefer Shemot, in our rather short Parsha of the Torah describes, as mentioned, the final construction of the Mishkan that had been assembled, dismantled, and reassembled for seven days prior to this day, which was the eighth day of the Miluim. On this eighth day, which was also Rosh Chodesh Nisan, one year after the exodus from Egypt, the Mishkan was inaugurated. Anticipation mounts as we read through Pasuk after Pasuk, checking the boxes of each item, board, curtain, vessel, and garment, completed to perfection, exactly as Hashem had commanded Moshe, Ka'asher Tziva Hashem et Moshe. That phrase repeats itself no less than 20 times as the Torah proudly recounts this incredible achievement achievement of this grand united national initiative. As we await the apex, as we breathlessly await the apogee, have B'nai Yisrael been successful in creating a space holy enough for HaKadosh Baruch Hu to reside? Will Hashem reside in this Mishkan that had been built with unparalleled dedication of funds, materials, gems, jewelry, an effort requiring unknown talent, artistry, perfection from a class of slaves and done with scrupulous conformity to every detail and nuance of Hashem's command to Moshe. And finally, the Torah tells us that Hashem's kavod suffused the Mishkan. You can imagine the sheer elation and pride in this great moment as it marks the realization of Asuli Mikdash Vishachanti Bitocham. This momentous, much anticipated occasion is followed immediately with the Torah telling us, Moshe Hashem Mishkan. 
in the very Pasuk that the Torah celebrates the completion, the realization of the fulfillment of the Mishkan of a house for God on this earth that we have repeatedly been told is all due to Moshe's unique care and fastidious fidelity to every command of Hashem, the Torah then interjects that that Moshe, however, could not enter the Mishkan because the manifestation of God had permeated the tabernacle. What happened? The man who had been the focal point of the entire Sefer Shmot, the man who was referenced in every other Pasuk and credited with the transmission and supervision of every nuance and every detail of the building of the Mishkan, is suddenly barred from the Mishkan, unable to enter the Mishkan? What happened suddenly that impeded Moshe's entrance from the Ohel Moed? Surely it could not be the cloud and kavod Hashem that restricted Moshe's entry, as we are told at Har Sinai, Vayava Moshe betocha anan, and again Vayigash Moshe el ha'arafel, that Moshe was able to walk right into the cloud of glory of Shechina. So what happened here? Various commentaries attempt to answer this question and provide clarity to what appears to be an almost insulting snub of Moshe. Perhaps, suggests the Ramban, Moshe's entry into the Mishkan or into the Ananeha Kavod was always preceded by a summons from God. As we saw at Harsina, where the Torah tells us, Vayikra Hashem el Moshe Vayom Hashvi, that Hashem called out to Moshe on the seventh day. He only approached God at Harsina after being summoned or invited by God to do so. So too, when he spoke to Hashem in the Ohel Moed, it too was always followed by his being called by Hashem. Well, since Moshe has not yet been called by Hashem, he could not as of yet enter the Mishkan. Though answering why Moshe could not enter the Ohel Moed uninvited, it still begs the question of why. Why didn't Hashem invite him, call out to him at this point, the way Hashem had called out to him at Har Sinai? A second approach is that of the Kliyakar, who suggests that perhaps Hashem's manifested presence at the inauguration of the Mishkan was entirely different than the manifestation of his presence at Har Sinai. As at Har Sinai at Mount Sinai, the emanation of Hashem's glory, his or, was suffused within the cloud, thereby making it possible for Moshe to enter the cloud that rested upon Har Sinai. Whereas now in the Mishkan, the incandescent, blinding light of God was separated from the cloud, and that blinding, dazzling light of Hashem permeated the Ohel Moed, while the cloud remained at the entrance outside. Moshe could not enter the Mishkan as even Moshe could not withstand the dazzling, blazing, blinding light of God unclothed in the cloud that filled the Mishkan. But this answer too begs the question was why was the Shekhinah, the light of God in the Mishkan uncloaked by the cloud? Why was Hashem's light more revealed, more exposed, more blazing than it was at Har Sinai? A third most beautiful and poignant approach as to why Moshe could not enter the Ohel Moed is proposed by Rav Hirsch. Rav Shanshin Rafal Hirsch says, as soon as Moshe had completed the work of erecting the Mishkan, he withdrew from it entirely and returned into the midst of the people. 
for it was not his relationship to God's Torah that had come to visible expression in the Mishkan. It was the relationship of the nation that through this Mishkan had prepared a home for the Torah and an altar for their devotion to Hashem. It was the nation to whom God had caused his glory to dwell in the Torah's home on earth. In that moment of exaltation, of God's nearness to Israel, even Moshe stepped back into the ranks of the people. God called to Moshe only when it devolved upon him to hear from Ohel Mohed, from this tent of meeting, the mitzvot. The celebration then of the Mishkan, according to Hirsch, is a celebration between B'nai Yisrael as a nation and Hashem. And no one individual, even the greatest of them, can interpose himself between the people and God in this celebration of union. Moshe's role as their intermediary, though necessary at Har Sinai, when B'nai Yisrael implored Moshe to accept the Torah on their behalf, that moment has passed. On this occasion, no intermediary is necessary. And as such, Moshe, as Rav Hirsch says, retreats and joins the people as one of them, as part of them, celebrating with them in their union with Hashem. These magnificent words of Hirsch echo the introductory words of the Ramban to Sefer Shmot, where he maintains that Sefer Shmot is the Sefer HaGeula, the Book of Redemption. The Geula, the redemption of the Jewish people, he explains at the onset, is attained not upon the exodus from Egypt, nor even at Harsinai at Kabbalat Torah, but rather when Hashem resides amongst his people in perfect love and harmony with the establishment of the Mishkan and God's presence within it. We are reminded again in our parshiot, with the placement and sanctification of the kior, the wash basin, that it was fashioned from the mirrors of the righteous women of Israel, with which they stirred their husbands to produce the hosts of Israel that we discussed in Parshat Shmot. As the Torah tells us, by The Midrash described a game of loving, playful banter that took place between the wives and husbands as they gazed into those copper mirrors. Mirrors, wherein the wife would say to her husband, Ani na'en mimcha, I am more beautiful than you. And the husband would look into the mirror and say, Ani na'en mimech, I am more handsome than you. And this aroused their love for each other. But in reality, on a deeper level, the wife was telling her husband, My beauty, Ani na'e, I am beautiful mimcha because of you. I am only beautiful because of your love for me. And the husband would look at his wife, those mirrors, and tell her, that Ani Naemimech, my beauty emanates from you. I am only beautiful because of your love for me due to what you bring out in me. As those mirrors have now been transformed into holy, holy objects in the Mishkan, objects of sanctification between B'nai Yisrael and Hashem, so too this love exchange between these individual lovers has now in the Mishkan become a holy ode to the love between Hashem and B'nai Yisrael. As according to the Moshav, According to the parish, the Moshe of Zakenim, the copper wash basin was positioned between the Kodesh, where the Kohen Gadol entered Hashem's intimate zone, and the Azara, where the people stood. As such, the people in the courtyard could see in the reflection of the mirrored wash basins 
the Holy of Holies, the holy abode of Hashem, and the people in the Azara were visible to God through their reflection in those same mirrors. With those mirrors, we, the Jewish people, say to Hashem, we are only na'er, we are only beautiful, we are only special because of you, Hashem, your love for us and your Torah. And Hashem, in return, says to us, his beloved people, I am only sanctified in this world, beautified in this world due to you and the morality that you uphold and the holy lives that you live. The Mishkan is a rendezvous of love between B'nai Yisrael and his chosen people. Rosh Chodesh Nisan, the inauguration of the Mishkan, when God's presence filled the Mishkan, was the consummation of that love. The Shatran Moshe, despite the hours, days, and nights of worrying, talking, counseling, defending, praying, and beseeching, devoted and determined to see this union fully realized, is still only the Shatran, and on the wedding night, has to step back and retreat, as he has no place in the wedding between the Chassan and Kala. Hence, Velo Yachol Moshe Lavo El Ohel Moed. Moshe, therefore, could not enter the Ohel Moed. Today, this day, Yom Hashmini, Rosh Chodesh Nisan, is exclusively a celebration of the marriage between B'nai Yisrael and Hashem. As such, Hashem divests himself of his cloud covering, revealing his brilliant light for his Kala, B'nai Yisrael. It has been my pleasure learning Sefer Shmot with you with the OU Women's Initiative. Thank you so much.